All right, Carl. Well, Skeeter, thank you so much for filling in for us and leading us in worship. Brother Crawford, thank you for that wonderful communion thought to our shepherds, uh, to our staff here, to our deacons, to our Bible school teachers, to our youth workers. We're so appreciative of you, and we're so thankful for all the work that you do here at this church. Well, good morning and welcome to the Mission Viejo Church of Christ. What a great day to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. We are so happy to see you here with us this morning as we collectively worship God, our Father, in spirit and in truth. And if you're visiting with us for the first time, we want to let you know that you are our honored guest. And you're always welcome to this church whenever the doors are open. In the back of your pew, you'll find a visitor's card. We want you to take that card out and simply fill it out. And you can place that card in the box in the foyer or you can pass it to me or one of our six shepherds, we want to have a record of your attendance so that we can bother you. Now, I'm just kidding. We want to invite you back out to this church because I don't think you'll find a finer church in all of Mission Viejo. We've got a lot of neat programs going on here, and we'd love to have you as a part of our church if you're looking for a church home. Well, this morning, we are going to start a new sermon series. It's not really a series because it's only two Sundays, but I call it a series anyway. Amen. So, We're going to start this new series uh, entitled Faith Works, a study in the book of James. Now, uh, this topic, this subject material is actually the theme of this year's Pepperdine Bible Lectures. So if you're going up to Pepperdine for the lectures, (laughs) this is the theme this year. So I wanted to give you a real quick preview of what they're going to be talking about and kind of just uh, wet your whistle a little bit. My mom used to say that. Wet your whistle just a little bit and hopefully get you intrigued because I think this book is a really, really neat book. There is so much great material in the book of James that we could literally spend the next 12 weeks working our way through this, this document here. And James happens to be my second favorite, second favorite book of the Bible behind the book of, of Proverbs. And most scholars actually have grouped uh, the book of James uh, along with Proverbs and Ecclesiastes into this theme of wisdom literature, wisdom literature. So if you think about James and you think about Proverbs and you think about Ecclesiastes, they're all very practical books that give us sayings that we can remember and keep with us. They're there to help simplify our lives and to give us some really simple principles on how to live a faithful life in the Lord and how our lives can be blessed. So I would say that James is a really good book. If you're new to faith, if you're new to the church and you're new to studying scripture, this will be beneficial to you. And for those of you who have been a while, around a while and are faithful, long-time Christians, this will be a good refresher course for you. There's something interesting that James tells us. And I want to start with dissecting this thought together. James tells us that our lives can be blessed by the Bible. Our lives can be blessed by the Bible. So this morning, I want to discover how that might be the case. Did you not know that Bibles are everywhere? You can find them in grocery stores. You can find them in bookstores. You can find them in motel rooms. You can find them everywhere. They're available in all different kinds of shapes and sizes and translations and versions. They're leather-bound or paperback. 
Every year, the Bible outsells every other major bestseller. Last year, there were about 500 million Bibles published in the world in 18,000 different languages. In America, we are filled with the Word of God wherever we go. It's on the airwaves. It's on the radio. It's in books. It's on television. It's in magazines. The Word of God, the Scripture, the Bible is everywhere. Yet, millions of people still miss the blessing of the Bible. And the question then is, is why? Why is this the case? Because it's not automatic. The Bible is a book of blessing, and it promises comfort. It promises strength, hope, wisdom, joy, power, and purpose. But just because you have a Bible doesn't mean you're going to get the benefit from it. The story goes that there was a man, and he was telling his neighbor that he just bought a new hearing aid. And he said, it cost me $4,000, but it's state of the art. It's perfect. And the neighbor said, really, what kind is it? And the man said, 3.15 p.m., and then he walked into his house. Come on, you can give me a sympathy laugh for that one. Mary told me not to tell that joke because it wasn't funny. I guess she was right. <laughs> the, the, the point is, we can be really good at hearing the word, but completely missing what it's saying to us. Amen? So this morning, in order to be blessed by the Bible, I've got three simple principles that you need to keep with you. And if you keep these three principles with you, you will be blessed by the Bible. The first principle is receive. The second is reflect, and the third is respond. Receive, reflect, respond. Say that with me right now. Receive, reflect, respond. And I believe if you keep these three principles with you wherever you go, your life will be blessed by this great book that we call the Bible. Mike, if you would, go to this first slide. Receive. In order for a person to be blessed by the Bible, they first must receive the word of God. James chapter 1 and verse number 25. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. That's a promise right there. So maybe you should underline that in your Bible. He will be blessed in what he does. There's a promise there that's so powerful. Now James in this passage is actually talking more about researching the Bible than simply just reading through it. The word look here in this translation in the Greek means to stoop down and gaze in. It's the word that the Lord uses when Peter went to the tomb on Resurrection Sunday when he stooped down and he peeked in. He investigated and he focused on what was going on in the tomb. The scripture tells us we've got to learn to stoop down and gaze in and focus our attention intently on the word of God. So what does that mean, preacher? It's 
okay to read the Bible casually. And I think many of us do that. We'll have it on our smartphones and we'll have a verse that pops up during the day and all of that's wonderful. And it's okay to just open up the Bible and say, Lord, I'm struggling through some stuff. Let me just open something up and read. I think all that's wonderful and that's fine and that's okay and you will. But I think the Bible also needs to be stooped down and gazed into from a research from an exegetical perspective. But you know, before we jump into the Bible, we need to realize and understand that the Word of God is living and it's active. It's alive. And if we enter into this Word, we need to understand that the Bible is there to change us. So there's a couple of things that we need to consider when we begin gazing intently into the Word of God. We need to ask ourselves a few questions while we're reading the Word of God. The first question is this, is there sin in my life that I need to confess? When we get into this book, this book helps us with that issue of sin that we're so consumed by. So when we open up this book, we say, Lord, help me to discover and to realize and to get over the sin that is in my life. I am guilty. And I think if we ask that question as we begin to study the scripture, the Bible can help us figure out how to get over some of those things. The second thing that we should ask is, is there a promise to claim through reading this Bible. I believe that the Bible contains over 7,000 different promises of God. But sometimes we read right over those promises and not realize that those promises are for us. So the question is, when we get into the Bible, are we asking ourselves the question, Lord, what promise do you want me to take with me today as I'm reading through the Scripture? And you'll find that God will bless you and you'll get to see these promises and they can have a profound impact in your life. Here's the one that, that I know all of us don't like when we enter into the Word and we start reading it. Lord, is there an attitude that I need to change? But typically we look in the scripture and we try to find out why that other person's attitude needs to change. But we need to ask ourselves the question, Lord, is there an attitude that I'm missing out on in my life that I need to change? Next question, is there a command to obey? What does God want us to do? Is there an example to follow? Is there a prayer to pray? There are a lot of prayers in the Bible, if you notice. You can take those prayers and pray them for yourself and for others. You can know that they'll be answered because they're in God's word. That's what's so powerful about those prayers. Another question, is there an error to avoid? Is there a truth to believe? Is there something I just need to believe God for? And lastly, is there something to be thankful for? And I believe if we keep these principles with us and we ask these questions as we enter into the word of God, our lives will be tremendously blessed through studying and reading this book. What I love so much about this text here is if you look up on the screen, it says, but the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives what? Freedom. Now that's a powerful word that we just kind of read over in this text. But the word of God provides us with freedom. Freedom from what? Freedom from sin. Freedom from the problems that bog us down in life. Freedom from issues. Freedom from stress. Freedom from worry. Freedom from anger. Freedom from addiction. And the list goes on. If you're in this book, it will provide freedom. God will help you be free from those things. And that's why we need to stay in the Word. 
Next slide, James chapter 1, verse number 21. But in order to get into God's Word and look deeply in it, we've got to do some things first. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the Word planted in you which can save you. This verse tells me that there is a little prep work that we need to do prior to digging into God's Word. You've got to prepare yourself in order to receive the Word. You see, oftentimes Mary and the kids, they'll have something very meaningful to say to me while I'm watching the Oakland Raiders football game. And some of you guys are going, he's probably just turned that off, but whatever. But she'll have something meaningful to say to me, but I'm, I'm not focused on what she or what the children are saying because I'm distracted by what's on the television screen, by us getting whooped by 20, 30 points. But, you know, the distraction there causes me not to be engaged in the words that she is saying to me. So in order to receive God's word, sometimes we've got to turn off the distractions in our lives. We need to put them aside for just a little bit. The world's not going to end if you don't pick up your phone, okay? You can turn off the television. You'll find out what happens. They got, you know, shows continually going on. Put it away for a season, for a moment, and just really listen to God's word. And the Bible says this promise will happen. Your life will be blessed. Psalm 119 says this, but the wicked are waiting to destroy me, but I will ponder your statutes. To all perfection I see a limit, but your commands are boundless. Oh, how I love your law. I meditate on it all day long. Your commands make me wiser than my enemies. Powerful, powerful text. Now, I know this is a study in the book of James, but I just had to sneak this verse in. So bear with me. You guys are going, what's going on? But, but I love this text because it tells us we must have God's word in our hearts every single day. We need to read it and review it continually. Stay in it and be faithful to the book. I know some people that are more faithful to Fox News, amen, or SportsCenter, amen, or the latest reality television than they are to God's word. We stay in that and watch that longer. How many of you believe everything you read and watch on television? Raise your hand if you believe everything you read and watch on television. You don't? Oh, oh, okay. So the question is, then why do we spend more time reading or watching something we don't believe than something we do believe? We need to fill our minds with the word of God. James says, you want to be blessed? Reflect on the word. Think about it by reading it and reviewing it and remembering what it says. It's powerful, not forgetting what we've heard. Nothing will do your spiritual life greater or better than, than developing the habit of memorizing Scripture. Now, for those of us that grew up in the Church of Christ or we've been around for a while, you know, one of the things that we used to do in these youth programmings is memorize Scripture. And what I love, uh, one of our shepherds here really brought that point up the other day. He said, our church needs to be in the process of memorizing Scripture. And what you'll find is when you memorize Scripture when you're young, those Scriptures will stay with you for the rest of your life. Amen? You guys know what I'm talking about? 
right? So you know those texts. You know them. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. You guys know, and I can list off. And the thing that's really interesting about it is we all know the same ones, right? So when you memorize scripture, it does something and it molds and changes your heart. We need to be in the habit of memorizing scripture. If you hadn't done that before, I'd really encourage you to do that. Just take a verse. Try to memorize it. It's so easy to memorize those songs we hear, right? We need to memorize some scripture. We also need to take notes and write things down. So I appreciate those of you who are taking notes as I preach this morning. If you're not I can see you. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but it's a really good thing to take notes and to write things down. If you value God's word, you're going to take notes. Hebrews 2 and verse number 1 says, write things down so that we don't let them slip. You know, the uh, United States Air Force did a study. They're really smart, by the way, Air Force folk. Um, they did a study, and they found that we forget 95% of all that we hear within 72 hours. So these statistics are really depressing to me, you know, because I spend all week preparing a message to give it on Sunday, and by Wednesday, you forgot everything I've already said to you. So it can be difficult, but unless you write them down, you, you won't remember some of the things. Receive God's Word with the right attitude. Write them down, reflect, review, memorize it, and I believe your life will be blessed. And then lastly, I want to leave you with this idea found in James chapter 1 and verse number 22. This is a tough one, and, and, and just bear with me because it might seem kind of tough, but what I, what I, what I want to say needs to be said this morning. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. <laughs> Don't just listen to it and that's it. Period. It says do what it says. And that's where it gets a little tricky and difficult, doesn't it? Because we can listen like the best of them. We can listen like the best, but when it comes to part B of this text, that's when it gets a little tricky and a little difficult. Do you know what it means to audit a class? Have you ever audited a class before? In college, when I was in college, you were allowed to audit some classes. And what that meant was you can go into the class and listen to the instructions of the professor. But guess what? You didn't have to do the homework. It was wonderful. I used to love auditing classes. Yeah, I took that class by so-and-so. Yes, yes. Yeah, I was in Hebrews. Yes, yes. Um, but I was auditing the class. I didn't have to do the work. A lot of us, we like to audit, don't we? We just want to sit and listen. But when it comes to practical application and putting it into practice, we, we just don't do it. I'm going to talk about our fellowship for a moment. So, Members of the Church of Christ, we are known for our study of the Bible. You know, I worked for a Catholic university, and it was interesting that even on that big level, that high church level, people knew about our fellowship. And I remember a priest coming up to me and saying, you know what, your fellowship, you guys really know the word. You can just quote off some scripture right now, can't you? I said, yeah, I sure, I sure can. He said, that's great. That, I know your fellowship is known for that. And you know that we're known for that. We can quote scriptures, and we can refute false teachings like the best of them, can't we? Well, I tell you what, we'll shut something down real quick. With book, chapter, and verse, that's, we're, we're good at that in our fellowship. Many of our favorite Bibles are filled with 
underlines and highlights that we use, right? So I bet you right now, if you opened up your Bible and you're looking through, you can just look at all those times where you were highlighting the word and underlining it. Maybe it was years ago, and you can still see a smudge of ink on there, and and you remember where you were theologically or spiritually at that time, and we cherish that, don't we? I know I do. I open up my King James Bible, and I look at it, and I look at those notes, and I look at those highlights, and I'll go, look at me. Woo, I was a stud studying that word. Man, look at all the stuff I know. It's wonderful. But the real question is, are we doing what it says? That's the real question. Are we doing what it says? We are very good at Bible study, but are we good at being a living study of the Bible? That's the question. James chapter 1, verses 23 and 24 says this, Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in the mirror. And after looking at himself, he goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. I wish I could say I woke up like this. <laughs> it, takes a little, it takes a little work to get this handsome figure. I'm just, it takes some work, right? And, in the, in the morning, I get up, and I look in the mirror, and I look in the mirror to make sure I check myself before I wreck myself, amen, as we used to say. Make sure I, I prepare myself. I look in the mirror, and I've got to do something about what I saw, because you wouldn't want to see me in the morning when I just first wake up. And many of you are saying, amen, you wouldn't want to see me either. It took some work to get us like this, right? So everybody's looking nice this morning, but... So there's a question that I want to ask this morning, and you guys just bear with me. It's a tough question, but the question is, why are churches of Christ? Why is our fellowship, our fellowship, the one that we grew up in, why are they dying? And some of you might be saying, that's not true, we're not dying. Yeah, we are. Have you been out? Have you visited many of our churches in this region? Have you been across different parts of the country? Our churches, our fellowship is dying. And some don't want to accept that, and I understand that. That's hard to accept. But why is it? Some would say because it's our lack of Bible study or biblical knowledge. But I hear what you're saying, but I disagree with that just a little bit. I think our fellowship does know the Word. I think we know it pretty well. I think we understand it. Some would say it's because the culture has gotten worse. Folks, the culture has always been terrible. I believe we're dying because of our unwillingness to change. We're dying because we're content on living as a social club rather than a lifeboat whose mission is to save people drowning in sin. We'd rather have a Bible study about it. The Bible, like I said, says it'd be silly to look in the mirror and know that I have my hair, well, I don't have much hair, but if my hair was all over the place and I had stains on my clothes, it'd be silly for me to look in the mirror and go, huh, and then go on about my business and go out. No, when you look at it, you realize there's something to be, there's something to be done. When we read the Bible, it's like a mirror, and it helps us to understand what we need to change or what we need to do. And then lastly, I want to end with this verse, and I'll step down. James chapter 1, 
verses 26 and 27. It's cut off. You can't really see it here, but. You know, before I get to this verse, I know some people will say, well, Jason, you're, you're coming down kind of hard. You know, people individually in their own individual journeys are doing a lot of work for the Lord. They're being doers, and, and I totally agree with that. But the Bible tells us we don't live in individual vacuums. There's a reason we have a church. There's a reason why we call it community, and the whole community has to be on mission together. And that's what pleases God. It's good that individuals do ministries and missions, but what's the collective journey? Because... I say that because of what this, this verse says. If anyone considers himself religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself and his re- religion is, is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself uh, from being polluted by the world is what the last verse says. So I just want to end with this thought. When you're a doer of the word, it shows up in your speech. You don't say everything that you think all the time if you're a doer of the word, amen? If you're a doer of the word, you're very careful with how you use your tongue. You say positive, kind, sweet, encouraging things. You don't lash out in anger. You're not rude or disrespectful to people. You're kind. You're able to control that if you're a doer of the word. And we've got some great doers of the word here, some very encouraging people. But it also says if you're a doer of the word, you're aware of how you care for the marginalized and the down and out in our society. You do that. You just don't talk about it, but you actually, you actually do it. You take care of people that are poor, orphaned, or widows, or who are having a hard time. You actually do it. You just don't you don't talk about it and have a Bible study, but you actually carry it, carry it out. And I'm so thankful for those here that are involved in Comfort Cafe and a World Bible School Ministries and things. That. And they said, powerful. But that's what we do. We actually do those things. And then lastly, it says, we, for doers of the word, we keep ourselves from being polluted by the world. We don't let worldliness in here. We keep it away at all costs. So this morning, I just want to leave you with a simple question. And this is our last slide, if you will, show that one. Are we listening and doing? And that's not a question per se for you. It's really for me because I'm preaching at myself this morning. Do I do this? Do I sit and study the Word and say, oh, look, I studied God's Word today. I'm good. Am I actually applying it? And I want you to reflect on that this morning as well. Are you reading and are you applying what you read? I hope that many of you this morning would say, yeah. I am. And I've gotten better on it, and I'm going to continue to grow in that. I think some of you this morning may say, you know what? I probably need to improve on that area in my life. Probably need to be a better doer. We've got a song of invitation selected. If there is anyone here that needs to transition or grow in this area, this invitation is for you. It's for all of us. We're a family here, like 